Hi, founders, and welcome back to another episode of the Gab Lab. This is a show that's designed to bring you financial intelligence to not only blow your mind, but to help you build your bottom line. Today's episode is being championed by our friends at Community Future Sunrise. Southeast Saskatchewan, they're there to help business owners not only build and rebuild their business, but to help them nail their numbers. I'm your show host, Tanya Woods-Richardson, and our Nail the Number Pro today is Jill Souter. She is the principal of Jill Souter Communications, and she is going to walk us through how to ensure our marketing strategy is both meaningful and measurable with bottom line impact. So thanks for watching. We'll see you over in the lab. Bye for now. Well, welcome to the Gab Lab, Jill. Thank you. Oh, I'm so happy to have you here. Um, I am super excited, especially talking about marketing. We were chatting a little bit. This is part B of our marketing series. And today is really all about the, the strategy, the plan, the execution, and making sure that we've got bottom line results. But I'm, I'm really fascinated to delve into your mind, especially on this topic, because you probably see this all the time, way too often, I'm probably guilty of this myself, but we jump in to marketing because it's fun and we think, okay, this is all the fun stuff. And, and we very rarely take a, um, a cohesive, coordinated approach to understanding what we're trying to say, who we're trying to say it for or to or with, and yeah. then how that's going to result in, in bottom line, uh, bottom line results for us, bottom line profit. You probably see that all the time. All the time. And, and I get excited about it too, but really the, the reason we're in business is to be able to pay our bills and, and put some away. And we really need to, to keep that as the focus. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about that too. It doesn't have to take away all the fun stuff. No, right. And business is supposed to be fun, believe it or not, as, <laughs> as tedious as it might be for some people out there right now. So where do we start? Let's imagine, you know, we've, we've come through COVID now, probably one of the toughest years any of us have had in business. And for our audience listening in, um, I suspect many of them have probably that cliche word now pivoted, right? Um, we're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's not a train coming to run us over. Yeah. Um, and so now everyone's trying to figure out, okay, now that the worst is behind us, how do we really kind of create longevity or long-term success with our products and services? So everyone's got a product or they've got a service. Now, where do we start when we're trying to figure out how to build a marketing strategy around that? For me, it, it really starts with customers and understanding who your customers are. And one of the challenges that, that I've seen through COVID and now coming out sort of the, looking forward beyond COVID um, is the people are getting excited about their opportunities. And uh, I'm actually working with one client right now and he sends me a message every day saying, this is a great opportunity, this is a great opportunity. And it's wonderful to have so many of those opportunities. And you mentioned the pivot and some businesses found new opportunities in COVID that they didn't know before. And so what I'm seeing is lots of different kinds of opportunities, but for effective marketing, focus is really important understanding who your best customers are and, and really getting to know them. Um, one of the um, big problems that I find in, in businesses is being really um, 
distracted by lots of new, bright, shiny things, um, new opportunities that come up, um, great ideas that somebody has, whether it's a customer or um, an employee. Um, there are lots of, it's, it's nice to be in a spot where you have lots of opportunities. But from a marketing standpoint, the real effectiveness in your marketing comes when you focus on specific customer groups. And and get to know them really well, understand what issues they have or their problems that you can solve, and then really starting to work with them um, on a more frequent basis and getting to know them so that you can get to know other potential clients who might be like that customer. Okay, uh, so lots in there I wanna dig into. Before <laughs> we do that, if I take a step back, I know some business owners think that they are supposed to be marketing the business. Do you recommend marketing the business or do you recommend marketing each product or service separately? It's, it's different for every business. And I'll give you an example. Um, one time I was working with a, a very small um, microbrewery before microbreweries were a thing. And the problem that they had was that their marketing budget was really limited. They had different products but they wanted to come out with a more professional look and feel to their brand. Um, and they wanted to, to get bigger. But at the time, they didn't have the money to really market every one of their individual brews, mm -hmm. the, the varieties that they were brewing. Um, so we worked on a, a corporate brand and, um, and we sold all the products under the corporate brand and started making relationships based on the, the company itself. Uh, as they've grown, they've been able to market individual um, beers that they're brewing and, um, and develop them more as far as branding and you know, targeting those, those beers to specific restaurants that they fit the kind of vibe in the restaurant. So it depends really on the products and services that you offer, but also the budget that you have. Okay. All right. So once we decide if we're going with an overall corporate strategy or if we're going with, uh, and corporate sounds like a big word for small business owners listening in, but if it's an overall biz business branding initiative and um, creating awareness and marketing around that, or if it's going to be product specific, you talked a little bit about, um, and I, I do want to get to the audience, but you also talked about money. And I think that's probably really important to delve into here a little bit. Um, in many of our other episodes, we talk about the importance of forecasting and actually really getting to the bottom of what are your true sales goals. So rather than just this, uh, what do they call it? The, 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 um, uh, when you've got a rifle and you're shotgun the shotgun approach and you're yeah. just throwing everything at the yeah. wall, hoping something's going to stick and yeah. not even knowing what the financial goal of this whole initiative is supposed to be how are there any specific tactics that you use to help business owners understand what that goal is, or is it really just basically doing a cash flow? Uh, well, part of it is profitability of, of both the product that your product or service that you're selling and the market potential. Um, if you're one time I did a marketing plan for a business and there was no, 
um, website recommendations or advertising recommendations. The recommendation was to get your numbers in, understand your numbers. Because I said, why would I promote um, product A or product C uh, if I don't know if they're actually adding profit to your bottom line? Because if, if we go out and create a marketing plan for product A and you lose, you know, $400 every time you sell one of those units, why would we do that? Why would we promote a losing product? And here product C is, is making money, but we're not promoting it because it's not flashy and interesting. Um, it's, it's just that, that product that sells or that service that sells all the time. And it's not exciting. It's not maybe new or, or sexy. And, and I think that understanding your numbers is primary to uh, focusing on the marketing plan on the things that are going to bring a positive return to your bottom line. So we can talk a little bit more about that later, but I think that, yeah, like when you look at, at products or services that you want to promote, they absolutely have to be profitable for the company. Beautiful. And I appreciate you saying that because I know many people listening in are not really about the numbers. I know this podcast is all about the numbers and bottom line profitability, but you know, you've, you know, I think people would sometimes prefer to go to the dentist rather than calculate the numbers. But I think that's such a, a, a valuable point is understand whatever product it is that you're about to go forward with, make sure it's profitable. And with your audience, make sure your audience can actually pay for it, right? right. That, that it fits that. So yeah. and let's the, talk. Yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead, Jill. The other thing I was going to add was what one of the things that the, one of the first things that I do with clients is we look at market opportunities and um, who the best customers are or the ideal customers. And and really the, the primary criteria is can that market pay for the product or service that you have to sell? And um, is it going to be profitable in the long term? Um, I, I was working with one client and they wanted to sell a product to a marketplace where intellectual property isn't well-respected. And so they might make one sale, but then the repeat opportunity wasn't there because in this case, people were photocopying, uh, uh, the product, the, the information that the person was developing. And, and if that's the case, it's not a profitable market. It's not a market opportunity that you can really make money on. And so analyzing those market opportunities and the types of customers that you have are, it's, it's critical to being able to market well, because you can, you can put out as many ads as you want, but if that product or service isn't returning to the bottom line, what's the point? What is, well, that's exactly the point of this podcast. <laughs> There should be a point to it. Okay, so point number one, find your product or service that you know is going to drive bottom line results. Um, I know you 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 just spoke to long-term profitability, but I imagine now through COVID too, it's about short-term profitability, right? Our window is definitely shortened yeah. where people are looking to make money sooner rather than later these days. Um, so let's get back to the audience. So now when you're talking about, we've got the product, we've, we're, we're looking at an audience as, as you suggested, one that can afford that, that price point that you, mm -hmm. you need to sell that product or service at, mm -hmm. how do we start to really, uh, zone in 
on who that specific customer is. Cause you probably see this all the time too, where I do everything for everyone, right? So now we're knowing exactly what you do cause it's not everything. How do we figure out who that person is or business, I guess? Well, in big businesses, they do market research, right? And, and that's very costly and time consuming and not really accessible to small businesses. But I think that entrepreneurs and the people who are on the front line, if it's, it's say a retail situation, or if you've got employees who are working with customers, you all know who those customers are that are your ideal customers. They're the people that you show your product or service to, and they say, sign me up. They don't ask about price. They automatically see how your product or service fits their need or solves their problem. And they, they just want to get moving right away. They want to get your product in their home or in their office. They want to get your um, services running in their business and, and they see the value in it. And to me, those are the, the best customers to, to go after. And the, the challenge is then, okay, so we've identified who this person is. What is it about them that makes them an ideal customer? Why do they love us so much? Um, but then how many are there? Is there two of those customers in the entire world? Or is there hundreds or thousands? Um, and then for small businesses, is this something that has to be localized? So we're, we're bounded by geography, um, mm-hmm. like say for food services or um, say a, a product or service where, or sorry, a service where you have to produce the, the result. Um, sometimes there's some geographic boundaries that mean we can't look outside of our local area. But in other cases, you know, especially with um, what we've learned through the COVID lockdowns, maybe we have customers outside of our local area that we can connect with. So then once we know who we're talking to, um, how many people are out there? How many potential customers could we have uh, connection with? and uh, would see our products or services the same way this ideal customer sees us. Brilliant. Yeah, I think I think you're right, especially for rural business owners, right? One of the things we learned very quickly through COVID is there is geographic reach that, you know, everybody was so afraid of doing that earlier on. And then COVID kind of forced us outside of our outside of our box and extending extending that reach. So yeah. one of the um, one of the key words that I heard you mention there, Jill, was problem. What problem are you solving? And um, it feels like through COVID and through the crisis that a lot of people felt, it, it, it feels like everybody was, uh, we were kind of moving more into essential services or essential products. And it really forced all of us as business owners, myself included, to really understand what problem I was solving for people because the days of just throwing money at stuff, it, they were long gone, right? How are you helping people? Is Do you have any um, tactics or tips that help people to better understand what problem they're solving or what their, what, what their solution is that the, with the product that they're offering? Well, one thing that I always do is re is connect with past customers and help understand what value the product or service for my client brought to them. And, and I think just connecting with people, understanding what was their situation before you worked with them with your product or service and what is their situation afterward, because that contrast 
can tell you a lot about the difference. And, and I'll give you an example. Lots of places um, around North America um, forced hair salons to stop operating for a while until we figured out how to operate them safely in the COVID world. And what we found was where, where places were shut down for an extended period of time, um, hairstylists were just selling a haircut. They were selling some things like um, confidence and um, personal uh, um, self-worth, yeah. uh, some um, pampering or connection with other people outside of your home, because lots of us have relationships with our stylists. You know, I think that that it's gone from just being a haircut to being something more than that. And and the the lockdown when we couldn't get a haircut really highlighted what that what that means to us. And I think that that problem that we thought about before, like a new haircut, it's expanded to be much more than that. And I think that was a, a real eye opener for stylists and um, and salons to really understand the impact that they make for individuals. And, uh, and I think that talking with customers, you could you could hear that in their voices, you could yes. see that when they came in and the relief that they had that they could <laughs> look, <laughs> look a different way than <laughs> the last six months. So like, that's just one example. But I think yeah. that even where you're selling to businesses, um, there's there's a situation that happens before you work with them and a situation that they're in afterward. And understanding the difference between those two can really help give us words to understand what problem we solve for them. Yes. Yeah, that, that's huge. I mean, one of the examples that comes to mind for me is, is one lady that was just selling hoodies, right? She had this online store and she was selling hoodies and she would do these pop-up stores and we were talking about solutions. She's like, oh, I don't really have a solution. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like you're, you're, you're forcing women to show up powerfully for themselves in their own home. <laughs> if you're going to wear sweatpants and a hoodie, wear a hoodie with bling on it and feel good about yourself. And so yeah. you're, you're right. Like really, I love how you just said that at the end, like at, at the end of it all, what have you solved for them, right? What is that end emotion that they're going to take away yeah. from, um, from that experience? So before we move on to segment two, I have a couple questions for you. I've always been curious in this space. Um, I have noticed, myself included, and this is the tough work that business owners, I think, need to get to the bottom of. We tend to, when we think about our audience and now we understand you know, what, what, um, what problem we're solving and what our solution is, then we tend to go on to this ramble of all of our features, right? Like, oh, and we do this and we do this and we do this instead of benefits. So for everyone watching, can, can you kind of explain to us the difference between the features and benefits and why speaking to benefits and doing that hard work of figuring out the corresponding benefit to each feature, why that's so important for business owners to do when it comes to marketing? Well, you're right. It's not an easy thing, especially if, if it's a thing that we've created. We're very much about what it does and what it can do for, for a customer um, as far as the technical aspects of it. Um, even people who offer services, lots of times, well, for the example of the hair salon, I cut hair. Well, 
yeah, that's true. You cut hair and that's the technical um, uh, feature of what you do. But in the end, what we want to talk about is what is that thing that that your product or service does for the customer. And another example in a post-COVID world is restaurants. Uh, lots of restaurants, especially in Saskatchewan, have been open for people who are not in the same household. And for many families with grandma and grandpa and grandkids, that was the place where they could gather. And so when you think about a restaurant, the features are, we offer great food, it's safe food, it's great service, it's um, a nice atmosphere. But when you get down to the benefit, that benefit is for, for the people coming to the restaurant is more about a place to gather. It's um, what I get out of it. I can sit at home and eat a meal, but when I go to a restaurant and my, my children can see their grandparents, that's a big deal. And that's the benefit for me. Um, like I said, I can get a meal anywhere. I can drive through somewhere. I can eat at home. I can order in. That part is, is the technical part. That's the, the feature. The benefit is what does it do for me? And the, the trick is to connect with customers enough that you can get that language from them. Because if you ask, how was your meal? That's talking about the technical part. If you ask about how was your evening with your family? That's where you get the words. We haven't seen them in so long. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful. It was so much fun. Or um, it was very romantic. And that language is important because that's what you want to convey to people in advertising or promotions or even the way that you train your staff. Those words help us to convey what that end benefit is to, to the customers. And it's when we listen and we ask questions, that's when we really find out the, that language that's going to appeal. Oh, that, so that, that's so powerful because I think, you know, I asked that question from the perspective of going in on the marketing piece, the marketing message, you spun it. And it's also about then when you're following up and you're surveying those clients back to your first point about, you know, segmenting who you already work with and finding out what their experience has been like and what problem you've solved for them. But I love how you, you've suggested reframing those questions because when you reframe the question and you move away from the feature and you get in more to the benefit, you get the emotion attached yeah. to it, right? And that's what's and selling it. That, the, what I find is it, it, a mistake in marketing is often going out, like you said, to the marketplace and saying, our product does this, 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 and this, which is great. But what does that do for people? And that's in a, in a, in an ad or in a social media post, that's what really grabs people is the language around what this is going to do for me. Yeah. Because it's not the, it's not the list of things that that does. Like I'm even, uh, for some reason, a garage door came to mind and <laughs> I've heard radio ads about a garage door and, and, and there, you know, when your garage door doesn't work, that's when you appreciate a garage door. But Every day it goes up, it goes down, no big deal. Um, but the, the features of that garage door 
are important when you're buying a garage door, but every day making sure that it goes up and down, that's, that's the magic of it, right? That I don't even think about my garage door anymore. And that's the real value to a customer is I don't ever have to worry about this thing again. And you know, why are people shopping for a garage door? Because their last one crapped out on them and it doesn't open and it doesn't close and it's causing me a lot of grief. So using that language helps people to get engaged and really um, sit up and listen to what you have to say about the features or the competitive advantages. But you need to, to help craft that message that catches their attention based on their need and their language around what is this going to do for me? Yeah. Hit those emotional hot buttons, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know what it's, it's um, I'm connecting some dots here. Cause I'm thinking back to another episode uh, where we had Bruce Winder. He's a, a retail expert on, and he was suggesting that, you know, we were trying to figure out how small business owners can compete against all those big businesses out there, the Costco, the Walmarts, the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And Bruce had mentioned one advantage that small business has right now is connection to their customer. Mm-hmm. And what I hear you saying is use that language that connects with them. Don't be the big business that's all about the, you know, the feature, feature, feature. And, you know, like speak to the benefits, speak to that person where, where they feel it. Yeah. Right. Is what I, I hear you saying. The tough part is taking the time to ask those customers and what what I see in lots of businesses, we make the sale, we move on to the next opportunity. We make the sale and we move on. Take that time to circle back with those customers and really ask them questions that can help you understand what it is that changed for them after they started working with your product or service. So powerful. I think COVID really helped us to see that too, right? It it took away a lot of the noise and it really kind of forced us to be very, um, in a a subconscious, unconscious way, just forced us to show up powerfully for the people that we were serving right in that that space. Even if it was, you know, online, it was, how can I be of service to you right now? And that's the real value around creating community or creating creating connections that you can use time and time again. So it doesn't have to be a survey. You can do an online survey fairly easily. Um, But what about um, a social post that says, hey, um, we're thinking about um, expanding this product line or um, we've we love this product. Tell us what you think about it or what changed for you. What did what did this candle do for you? Um, what did you think about this new scent? And, and really listen to those responses. It can be, you know, a personal call. It can be a, um, an email that you send out to a few select customers. It can be um, uh, just a conversation that you have it with a client that comes back again and again to your store. Um, there's lots of ways to do it and it doesn't have to be expensive. It can be really achievable and attainable for, for small businesses, but it has to be purposeful and it has to go in your calendar. Right. Well, yeah. And we're going to speak about that, I think in segment three, right? <laughs> like yeah. get out there, do it and then measure it. And, yeah. um, and so just in closing on that, um, there's one high level point, And I know I've, I've kept you longer than promised for segment one, but I'm curious just to explore business to business versus business to consumer. 
because I've noticed a lot of businesses, as soon as they think that they're marketing to companies, they lose sight of that connection again. And they treat the, the, the company as a company when within that company, it's actually still people yeah. that they're dealing with. So any parting words on that with segment one on just the difference between business to business and business to consumer? Yeah, um, there, there are differences as far as how you approach them. And we'll talk about that later. But I think that, that the, the ideal customers, um, that, that still applies. There are businesses that definitely need what you have and won't question the price. They don't have a, a, an RFP process. They just want to get you in there doing what you do or your product in their, their office. Um, but there are other customers who maybe don't pay on time or take too long to pay or some of those things that need to be considered when we talk about profitability and cash flow. Right. But then there are also the, the, the clients that will um, use you again and again or buy your products or uh, products again and again. Um, there are customers who um, will speak highly of you and don't don't mind giving a recommendation. There are other customers that can't give a recommendation, even if they wanted to. They've got a big corporate office and it has to go by a lawyer and those kinds of things. Though it, understanding customers is really important. Sometimes the sales cycle for a, a business is really long. Um, so a big corporation might be a great target because you can sell lots of product or service to them but maybe it takes so long to get through their process of procurement, it's not worth it. So there are some of those um, tangible things that are, are important to consider when you're looking at an ideal corporate customer. On the, the other side, those soft things, um, sometimes you can go into a business and make a real impact. Other times it's, it, it takes a long time to sell to them and they, they get your product or service and it's just maybe they're too big to notice that there's a difference. Um, you know, there's lots of variability in, in how that customer can relate to the change that, you, that your product or service brings to their organization. So okay. um, understanding that can be really helpful in identifying great opportunities and, and establishing some long-term relationships. Brilliant. Okay. Well, thank you for hanging in with me on this uh, longer than planned episode. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but once we really nail our audience, once we figure out what product, who is the intended user for this product, understand the problem that we're solving, can they pay the price? Once we figure all of that out, that really informs our messages and makes everything that much easier, Yes. right? Yes. That yes. second piece where people, I feel, jump this, this key piece, and then they move right into, oh, I'm just going to build some social media accounts and start, yeah. you know, it's the, spewing. It's the, <laughs> it's the aim before we shoot. And that's really important. Your shotgun analogy early on was great. That's what, that's one huge mistake that companies often make with marketing, getting laser focused and aiming and understanding what you're shooting for. That's, that's a, a critical part, especially for small businesses that don't have huge marketing budgets. You have yeah. to make good decisions about where you spend your time, energy, and money. 
Right. And I will say, because I know there's a lot of founders right now, what I hear you saying is take the time to do it. I know that many founders, you mentioned it, we're the butterfly chasers, right? We like sparkly things. We're always about, oh, let's just go do this. Yeah. But if you sit down and you do this work, this is where the results come from. So yeah. um, I just want to share with everybody as we move into segment two that you have um, generously provided us with a number of tools for this segment, uh, the customer information checklist and the purchasing process worksheet. So thank you for those. Um, please, before you, uh, before you move on to part two of our episode, make sure you get a, a moment to download those worksheets to make this process easier for you. Um, thank you, Jill, for being here with us for part one. We're going to see you back in here for part two. This is the sexy part. This is the part everyone's waited for, like how we get the message out there. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing all of you back in here for part two of um, our plan and strategy with respect to marketing. See you in a bit. Bye for now. Welcome back, founders, for part two of understanding our plan, strategy, and execution piece of our marketing, um, and all for the purpose of making sure we end up with a bottom line profit. We are joined back in the lab by Jill Souter. Hello. Welcome back, Jill. Great to have you here. Um, so part two, we wanted to talk all about now we've nailed down our audience. We understand what the pain point is. We understand what, what problem we're actually solving now we get to the fun stuff. This is the stuff everybody wanted to jump right into. This is all about now how do we communicate that message, right? How do we com communicate that message with hopefully bottom line results at the end of it? So um, to start this, I'm curious to know your perspective on, uh, we hear a lot in the sales world about a pipeline and kind of the stages of engagement that we go through and how each stage is supposed to have a different market or a message. So yeah. tell, tell the audience a little bit about your philosophy or your stand on, on pipelines. Well, I, I understand the pipeline. Um, what I like to do is kind of, I find that very um, company focused. It's not customer focused. Um, what I like to do is flip it a little bit and look at how customers um, move from having no idea what your product or service is to actually buying. And there's a, there's a for some products and services, especially new innovative products, um, there's an education portion there where people may not know that they have a problem uh, and they need information. They need ideas. They need to understand what problem they have and what the impacts are on their business or um, on their lives if they're consumers. And, and I, I like to look at it more about how we get people from, I don't know who you are or what you have to sell or why I would even talk to you to here's some money. Let's do some business here. Because I think that focusing on how many people, how many likes we get and how many um, people open the email, that's very focused on the tactics and the business. And those are great measurables. Don't get me wrong. I still appreciate those. But I think that when we're looking at how we send out a message, that has to be different depending on where the customer's at. Um, I always tell clients that you can't ask people to marry you on the first date. And um, <laughs> you can, I guess, but the results may not be what you want. 
Um, but I think that that's an important, it's a, it's a meaningful analogy because lots of people want to, especially with small businesses, small budgets, we want to put out an ad on Facebook and get those leads coming in. And, and that can work for some products and services, but not most. Um, it's very rare that somebody will see an ad and say, oh my goodness, I didn't know that I had that problem. And now I totally understand it. And I can understand how much it will cost me and what the benefit will be to me and how I, I'll consult all the people that I need to to make this decision. And so I've seen your ad and three seconds later, I'm buying what you have to sell. That's very, very rare. And it's a mistake that especially small businesses make because they don't have a big budget. We've heard that when we use Facebook or Google or something like that, we'll just put an ad in there and another business we know, they're getting lots of, of response to those ads. But maybe the product isn't a high risk. Maybe um, something like uh, choosing a lawyer to write your will or choosing a daycare for your kids or buying a big ticket item like a piece of farm equipment. Those are big, big purchases and they require time and they require investment to do some research on them. Um, those are not the ones, the products or services that you can sell with a Facebook ad. And I shouldn't um, single out Facebook, but a social media ad. Right. Um, a post is not, or a, um, an AdWords campaign is not gonna be the, the ticket for a lot of businesses until you understand what's the process that people have to go through. And um, like I said earlier, businesses that are bringing something innovative or new to market, that's something that we may not even know how it fits into our lives. Um, as a business, I may not know that I have a problem because the people that work with me are managing around that problem and it hasn't hit the bottom line yet. And as a business manager, I don't know that I have an issue. So in that case, we have to start developing knowledge with our customers. We have to tell them what's the risk of the status quo. If you don't do anything about this issue, what's going to be the problem down the road or with a consumer, if you, um, don't look at how you solve this problem. Here's what the implications can be for you in a few years. But sometimes you need to start that education and help people really understand what the problem is and what impact it will have on their lives or their businesses before you can move on to say, hey, we have a solution. Here's what it is. Here's how much it costs. And here's why it would benefit you to, to purchase. So to go back, just to clarify, so mm -hmm. I, I'm a small business owner, I have a product or service, how, what questions am I asking myself to define whether or not social media is the right first touch point? You talked about timeframe, you talked about expense, do you, are, are there a couple of key questions that business owners can kind of just check in with to go, sure. okay, I can start creating awareness or no, I have more work to do before I well, you mentioned a good aware, uh, word, awareness. Okay. Um, I think awareness of the problem is a big one. Do people know that they have a problem? Okay. And if you're in the restaurant business, yes, everybody's hungry, right? So that's an, that's an easy one. But is it, 
Are they hungry for what you have? Do you know that people want vegan food? Do you know that they want fast food? Do you know that they're on a job site and they're they're wanting to eat between nine and five? Um, there's a lot of different issues around just the food. The food is the the feature. We talked about features right. in the last the last segment. Um, what is it about your food that they want? Are they aware that they have a problem that they can't get nut-free food, or they um, they need food for a, a fast lunch? Uh, they don't want to eat inside because of of COVID. They have you know personal choices that they've made that they don't want to eat inside. So what does that mean for me in forty below? I can't sit outside on your picnic table, <laughs> right? Or I need it delivered to me. Like what are the problems that people have and and especially if you've got something that's new and innovative, do they know they have a problem? Um, do they know what your product or service will add to their life um, if it's a luxury good? So, so understanding, are they aware of this gap in their lifestyle or their business? Um, so that awareness is important. And then the understanding of how that translates into impact on their life, that's important as well. And if so, you don't have those two things, then some of these instantaneous um, requests for a purchase, whether that's a, a Facebook ad that leads to a lead form generation on your lead a generation form on your website, um, maybe people aren't ready to do that yet. And then the question is, what information will get them to, to be comfortable moving to the next step? Back to that dating analogy, <laughs> what's, what's the information that people need to be able to move to the next step? Um, and, and that's different for every product or service. So it's hard to say exactly what those questions are, and especially when we're dealing with products versus services. Right. But I think two big questions are, do they know the risk of the status quo? And, and is there any urgency for them to change? If, they're, if they know what the risk is, and if they know that there's um, some urgency around this, this problem that they have, then their, their um, willingness to buy is a lot greater than if they've, they know they have lots of time. Okay. And there's so not much risk. What I'm hearing then is, so as the business owner, it is my job now, I understand my audience, now I have to determine, I understand their pain point. Now I have to determine, are they aware that they even have a pain point? Are they aware of it or are they numb to it? B then, what is the cost or consequence of them just staying in that space and not doing anything, right? Um, and what was the third piece? Sorry, that, that I liken to status quo. What's the urgency? What's the urgency? Yeah. Okay. Is there is there something, a deadline coming up? Like, Kids need new shoes right. after summer so that they can go into the I classroom with yeah. their non-marking soles. Yeah. So that's when we sell lots of shoes with non-marking soles is in right. August and September. I get the garage door, right? Minus 65 right. is coming. Will it go up and down in minus right. 65 or are you exposing your whole basement? Yeah. Okay. Or, or the, like a question, um, but, lots of people talk about messaging in questions. And yeah. one that I always relate to is, is your faucet leaking? 
And if the answer is yes, then there's urgency there and there's there's a, a risk of the status quo, right? So yes, that's the kind of message that you can put on something that asks people to act really quickly. Um, but if it's um, a high priced item, if it's a, a big purchase that means a lot to their lives, um, that's, those are things that people tend not to jump on really quickly. Okay. They, they need more information and being able to help them help a potential customer get that information is really what the marketing should be about in the early stages. Beautiful. So th those are early stages. So again, what I'm taking here, understand the problem that you're solving, make sure that the customer is aware that they have a problem, knowledge or education, don't move right into selling the product, knowledge or education on the product, getting the customer to understand what happens if you don't change, getting the customer to understand the sense of urgency. What I yeah. love about what you've said here now too, is that you, you ask them to go somewhere, right? You don't throw all that information and say, okay, take that and, and swallow it. You here, take that swallow it, and now do this. Here's your glass of water to swallow it down with, right? So you lead them somewhere. So all of that you said is kind of the early stages of marketing. You're creating lots of awareness. Mm -hmm. At what point do you suggest that we actually start to introduce the product or the service? Well, you can do that right away. I think that there's, there's for most businesses, there's some... Um, you're always getting connections with new customers. And that's back to that, that lead funnel that you that right. lots of people talk about. You're always going to have those new customers coming in. You're always going to have people that are you're getting to know or they're getting to know you. Um, we're talking about your problem and then maybe they they purchase. And, and this can happen whether you're selling to consumers or to businesses. So this is a process that happens on a continual basis. So you almost have to do two different kinds of marketing or like different types of marketing at the same time. But the challenge I find for small businesses, they want to jump right to, I'm, I'm putting, a, I'm sending out an email and there'll be a link to get people to put their name into my website to get more information. And, and then that's when I give them the pitch that can happen it's not happening all the time and the the money that you spend the, the ultimate goal is to make a sale right and back to your cash flow it's usually about cash flow my cash flows down i need sales right away the problem is that when you go to those quick fixes like um the the social ad that gives you a lead that will somehow generate a sale nobody ever talks about the rest of that part right after what what happens after you get the lead but i think that the the jumping to that part um businesses do that a lot they put an ad in that special magazine or they do social media or google ads and those can work sometimes but the payback on those has a longer cycle but people are looking for that instant cash injection. Mm -hmm. And that's what I see happen is people invest in those and then they say, well, it's not working. I'm not making those sales. So then let's invest in the next shiny thing brought to me by somebody who's going to, you know, bring me lots of cash flow. And, and unfortunately, that's not how it works. You have to do this nurturing along the way and you have to bring people with you from helping them be aware of their problem to getting them comfortable with you and your solution to actually buying. And there's no way to skip those steps. 
And so unfortunately, when, when people are in that crash cash crunch, the, the lifeline is, well, if we do this tactic, it will bring you lots of sales. And the, unfortunately that doesn't often happen and it causes people to invest in things that aren't really strategic for their long-term. And so, so being mindful of the fact that there's no silver bullet to go from creating this ad or doing this tactic, going to this trade show, um, you know, there's no silver bullet that leads from that tactic to a sale. There's lots of steps in between. And if we invest in those things with the knowledge that there has to be some other work done to get to that sale, that can be, it can be a great investment. But if we're looking for that silver bullet, it's not going to, nine times out of 10, it doesn't work. And I think that's, that's huge. I think that, you know, for business owners, uh, again, because we like the, the shiny things and the sparkly things, and we're always just go, go, go. And the visionaries, and, you know, we're, we're always 10 steps ahead of ourselves, really, quite yeah. honestly, I think that's, that's what um, happens in the marketing strategy. So I think that is um, such an important point for founders to hear through this. There is no silver bullet. You have to pace yourself. You have to like your, to your point, it's all these small steps. It's like, taking the customer through that entire experience, holding their hand through that entire experience, starting off in the beginning, just explaining the pain point and knowledge to your point. So such important information in this, you know, it feels like this, this whole, this part has really been about the message. And what I've, I've heard is just really articulate small pieces along the way we finally then get to the ask, which is where, you know, we, we, we oftentimes will talk about price. I do see, um, I'm just going to throw this in here. I see a lot of business owners, I'm not going to stereotype with genders, but th- that oftentimes we're afraid to then ask for the ask. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, for those that actually walk the customer through that whole experience, and then we get to, they're on the fence and they have their wallet out. And then we don't ask, we're like, okay, well, right. And so making sure that we take them to the finish line, we cross them over, we get our Mm -hmm. touchdown dance. And then it's funny. I I see that a lot with um, people who make a product and they, they're, they're the visionary. They identify the problem. They see that their potential customers are having issues with this or they're wasting money or the, you know, it's a big time saver. They come up with this product and then they just shove it out into the marketplace. Like, like people would shove a kid onto a stage during a talent show. Yeah. You just shove that thing out there. And, and lots of people just expect people like a potential customer to look at it and have this light bulb come on over their head saying, this is amazing. This is exactly what I was dreaming of. And I knew that there was something out there. I was just waiting for it to get here. And, and that doesn't happen. You have to bring people along and help them know that this thing that you've created has a, uh, it, it has implications for your life or your business. And th- this is how it works. And this is what it does. And this is how it impacts your, your profitability as a business or your life as a consumer. Yeah. And, and yeah, especially if, if it's something that you've worked with for a long time, whether it's an app or a, 
an invention or something like that, if you worked with it for a long time, you know the impact that this can have, but you have to bring people along and help them understand what that, that's doing and just shoving it out there and saying, here's your problem solver. It doesn't work that way and it's unfortunate, but yeah, it's, it, it, oh. it, that's where, like you said, that's where people um, who aren't experienced in marketing can um, falter because they are not asking for that sale, but they also haven't brought people along with them um, in that journey. Yeah. And I think too, the, um, the fear of rejection. Right. So if they when they don't get that customer or prospect saying, oh, this is the best thing ever, um, they tend to run away from it. Right. Instead of leaning into the no and asking, OK, well, why not? I'm just curious, like I want to learn from this. Right. Mm -hmm. Why isn't it working? It's 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 human nature, I think, that the yeah. whole, you know, being accepted by people. That's one of our yeah. greatest needs. Right. Is acceptance. But. but I think if you look at that here's an example, a client of mine did an email campaign and there was a couple of people sent back an email saying, I'm not interested in this right now. We do things this way. To me that like he sent that to me and I thought, oh, that's awesome. They've offered you a gift. They've offered you an insight into why they might not want your product or service. And maybe you'll never convince that, that person that, that they need your product or service maybe you can craft a message around what that person said that can help the next person who might think that. So in this instance, they said, we don't do it that way. We do it this way. So then the next email that you send out to that specific group of, of customers, if you're thinking about doing it this way, we might suggest doing it our way because all of these wonderful things will happen for you if you try a new approach. And that won't appeal to everybody, but at least all the people who were saying, yeah, we used to do it that old way too. And there's a better way. Awesome. Let's try that. And so when you get that rejection, like you said, to me, it's just an insight into the thought process of that customer. And then it like, to me, those are always gold because yes. you can pull that out and say, okay, well, some of my potential customers are thinking this way and I wanted them to think this way that's great. You've just been able to read someone's mind. Beautiful. I think that's so powerful. I think that is the, you know, if you can get, if you can get into their mind and be able to articulate what they're thinking without them even asking, that brings you that much closer, right? Yeah. To the, to the sale. All right, Jill, that was brilliant. Thank you. And I, I believe here, one of the tools that you're offering everybody listening is the campaign evaluation worksheet right? Mm -hmm. and, and tips to go along with that. So um, before you tune in to part three, uh, make sure that you download that worksheet. Thank you, Jill, for offering that up. And then uh, I'll just warn everybody for part three, you know, this isn't the sexy part again, this is all about measurement. But if we don't measure, we're not going to get the results. So I think, thank you, Jill, you've just really reminded me and everybody watching, there is no silver bullet. And the only way to get to the end faster is really to start measuring and understanding what is working, what isn't working and getting on to the modification sooner rather than later, but knowing what to modify. So that's what we're talking about in part three. So as unsexy as it might sound, you need to come back for <laughs> Otherwise, all of this is for naught. All right, we'll see you back here for part three. Um, go grab a coffee. We'll see you in a bit. Bye for now.
All right, founders, welcome back. Part three, Jill has been with us uh, this entire time, just sharing so much valuable information when it comes to marketing and more specifically, how to create a marketing strategy. And now we're going to get into implementation and measurement, which I think, Jill, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. What, what percentage of the people that you work with actually, well, of course, a big percentage will measure their results because you're working with them. But before they come to you, what percentage do you think a business owners actually measure their marketing efforts? Very few. <laughs> and and it's it's hard because there's there's different measures to marketing. And um, last time we talked about not being not expecting people to just say, I want what you have to sell after you've said, here's what I have and, and shoving it out into the, the universe. I think that, that there's, there's lots of things to measure in between, but back to our first segment, lots of organizations will measure sales as their only criterion for marketing. And to me, profitability has to be, it has to be measured somehow. And, and when I think about that, I think of not only the product or service, are you making money on that product or service that you're selling, but also how much did it cost you in, in all your resources, time, energy, and money to get to that point where you made the sale. And sometimes it's not worth it. And, and that's, a, that's a hard thing to be able to recognize just from a sales number. Profitability to me is the thing that really makes a difference. And um, not just profitability on the product or service, um, but how much did it cost you to get to that point where you made that sale? And that's not that's not sexy, but you're out of business if you don't start measuring that. Right. Yes. So yeah, I just want to break that down for everybody listening because you brought in another really important piece in this. So when we think back to part one, we talked about knowing what product is profitable for you. Yes. I know there's a lot of gray zone around profit. So yes, there's gross profit to your point when you take in all of your labor and all the materials that it's going to take to deliver that product or service. Um, are you making money with it? And then of course we know that we then have operating expenses and we're left with a bottom line profit. Mm -hmm. So checking in on those two pieces, yeah. but now what I love about what you're adding to this is now when we understand what the marketing needs to look like to actually get that business in the door, mm -hmm. that becomes an added cost that we should be considering with respect to understanding if that product is actually one of our top choices to get out yeah. there and really market aggressively. Yeah. Yes. So I've got a couple of, do we have time for some examples? Yes. Okay. Examples so, are great. Okay. So one is um, during COVID lockdowns, um, I followed a greenhouse near uh, out, outside of the city. And um, of course, when stores were shut down, there was no opportunity to go in and shop. And a greenhouse is very much about the experience of after a long winter, we go into a greenhouse and there's color and there's smell and there's, you know, you can touch the soil and touch the leaves. It's wonderful. It's very experiential. And this greenhouse invested time and energy into walking people around their greenhouse every week. 
and they would explain things and they would show people, this is the color. We use this plant in a hanging basket. We, this one's very hardy for drought tolerance because it's, so it's great at your cabin when it only gets so much water. And they, they explained all these things and they showed us the color. And, and as people who were locked in at home and had been through a long winter, we were just dying for that, right? And normally they might not have opened their doors so early, but they opened their, their doors virtually to their audience. And they invested that time and energy into it. And it didn't cost them a lot. And then they started numbering. Well, this basket's number 42. And this basket is number 43. And if you'd like either one of these, just call us and it'll be waiting outside and you can give us your credit card. Like they, they were making sales, but they took the time to do this, this promotion um, for, for their customers. And it, it got everybody excited and they sold out. Like in a year when everybody else was, you know, struggling to do business, these, this little greenhouse sold out of products very early in the season. And mind you, people were super excited to get outside and gardening, but mm-hmm. still it was, it was phenomenal. They invested that time. And, but what they did was it didn't cost them a lot to do that promotion. Mm-hmm. And so their, their profit, um, margin on those sales was really high when it might not have been otherwise right because they have to get the salespeople and they have to do the advertising they have to get people in the door and and they they used a a, a opportunity to connect with people and share their inventory and get people excited and it didn't cost them a lot Um, another example in a b2b situation is um, I've, I've seen lots of businesses hire a salesperson because they say, well, our customers, they respond when somebody's out there selling. And hiring a person is a lot of money and it takes time for that person to get up to speed. And so the, the return on that investment has to be very, very high. That person has to be a top-notch salesperson. They have to know their stuff. And, and finding those people is really difficult. But what I've seen other businesses do is say, okay, well, we know that sales people are important in part of this, but there are other parts that we can do virtually, or we can start sending video demonstrations, or we can um, do an infographic. We can um, do a trade show where we talk to a lot of people at once. So they're finding ways to reach lots of people with specialized information that a salesperson might deliver, but they're doing it early on when people are maybe not 100% sold on the idea of change, or they don't see some urgency in that, that getting that product or service into their business. And so they're, they're taking that expensive salesperson out of that um, mix early on. And then the salesperson just comes in when it's important to ask for that business. Um, So looking at marketing tactics that are really uh, inexpensive, but impactful for the customer because it's giving the customer what they want just in a different way. Very interesting. Yeah, that's a strategy that I hadn't even thought of before. So super yeah. smart. One of the things that I'm, I'm curious about what you've said, when we look at marketing tactics, 
when we started off this segment, we were talking about measurement. We were talking about, to your point, you said most people just measure their, uh, their marketing strategy based on sales at the end of the day. And then you're bringing up a really important point about all the tactics that we use throughout that process, right? It's not the silver bullet. It's, it's, I have to find language for it, but it's all the steps that we take before we actually make that final ask. Have you seen um, or have you witnessed or have you built a, a, a matrix or a, a rubric that allows people to kind of measure every step of the way so that they understand where that process might be breaking down? There's a couple of things at play here. One of them is, um, it, if, to answer your question, it's very different for every business. Okay. Um, when I'm when I'm driving from town A to town B and I know that I'm hungry and I know they need gas, I just stop and buy the gas at the first gas station I see. And that that process isn't that long because it's urgent. If I don't fill up with gas, I'm out of out of uh, I'm stranded at the side of the road. So um, some businesses like that have a very short cycle. So I can look at it and say, that high sign that I put on the highway is working because I'm getting lots of people coming in. But if your business or if your product or service requires that education element or that warming up or that it requires a big investment or you're selling to businesses where there's lots of people that need to be consulted to make a purchase, um, that sales number is the result of lots of actions over a long period of time. So if your only measurement is sales, that's that's the measurement of maybe the last six months of effort that you put into this. And so if you're just looking at that sales number, that's not a, a really strong measurement of how effective the marketing is because you're looking at sales, but the marketing for um, that you're doing right now is going to result in a sale in six months or next year or next quarter. So that gets really difficult. What I look at is breaking that process down so that um, like you mentioned um, funnels and lead generation, some of those things that can be really helpful in evaluating how successful the marketing will be in making the sale down the road. But it's, it's most times it happens over a longer period. So, to your question about the rubric or the, the formula, um, what I look at is how do those tactics I'm doing right now connect to making that sale? So if I know that when I get in front of a customer, person to person, that that customer always buys something, how do I get them? How do I get to be in front of that customer? Do I need to bring them into my store? Do I need to um, connect with them at a trade show or in person at something? And we need to do a video demo or something like that along the way. What are those steps that get to me to that in-person contact? And how many of those in-person contacts actually buy? And what does it cost me to have somebody in person in front of them? And then what I can do is look at all those steps along the way and say, okay, if I send out an email and I get 40% of the people opening that and responding to that email, that's a really good indicator that I can connect with them in person. So that means that the chances of me making a sale are high. So the cost of 
doing that email campaign, when I get 50% of people opening that email, that's, that's helpful because I know that I can make the sale from that. But if I only get 3% of people opening that email, is that worth, is that tactic worthwhile for me to, because I can't get enough people to get in front of in person to make that sale. So, okay. so, and that's, it's, it's difficult. It's a difficult question because it's different for every business. Right. But what I hear you say is, is, um, is that don't measure just the outcome, find a way, whatever your marketing strategy is, what I'm hearing yes. you say is understand each step that you're asking the person to take and make sure that step is measurable so that you can actually see if they've taken the action that you've wanted them to take, right? right. Visit this website, visit this landing page, make this call, yes. respond to this email so that you can measure as you go along what asks are actually getting responses. And then at least you know where there's a breakdown in your strategy versus saying, nope, that product doesn't suit the market. We're starting from scratch. Yeah. And, yeah. and I, think, I think the challenge for small businesses is we often are approached by somebody who, while well, I see emails in, or um, ads in my social feeds that say, we can bring in lots of leads for you, or we can convert people, or we can get you, you know, lots of people downloading your, um, your checklist off of your website. And those are all great things. But as a business owner, if I don't know what all those steps are to get to the point where I can make that sale, yeah. then is it important that people download my checklist or not? Am I going to invest $6,000 in developing that email list and the email um, content and the landing page and the checklist? Is it going to make a difference? And I think that there's an element of desperation that comes when people say, wow, I've got a cash flow crunch or my sales are down. I need to make an investment. Somebody comes in or you see an ad and they say, we can fix that for you. Then it's, it's easy to put that check mark on the to-do list and say, okay, my marketing's being taken care of. Yeah. But unless you know where that, that tactic fits into that process, it may give you the return you want and it may not. And as a business owner, understanding if that investment is going to pay off or not is, is huge. And I, I often compare those tactics to hiring a person. Would you hire a person when you didn't have a bucket of work for them to do? If you didn't know that them doing that bucket of work was going to make maybe you more productive or give you more opportunities to, to reach out to your marketplace. If you just check the box on that to-do list saying, yeah, I'm doing my marketing because my website's being redone. How do you know that that's going to pay off? What you've done is you've just given that website a job that it may not be able to do for you, or you may have higher expectations of that investment than what it can return for you in the end. And I see that a lot. It's unfortunate because then what could have been a good piece of the puzzle is thrown out and said, well, it didn't work, but it didn't work because there was, it was just one piece. It wasn't the entire um, process that you needed help with. So important. So yeah, know that end result and, and understand each part of the process, right. And where that, where you're asking the customer to go, make sure that you're leading them to that next stage. Um, 
it, it makes me think uh, right away, my head jumps to social media where a lot of people are measuring their success by number of likes or number of shares. But as a business owner, that isn't getting money in the door, right? Exactly. So to your point, that's one small piece. And yeah. now how do we move in to the next piece and get them, get them to, to buy? So just in closing this segment, I am curious. So let's say we, we've got our marketing strategy now down. We understand the steps and the tactics that we're going to take. We're making sure every step and tactic is measurable and we're actually measuring, <laughs> make it a priority to measure. Yeah. Now let's say it's not working according to plan and we know what portion isn't working. And maybe this is a tough question because maybe again, it depends with every business, but at what point do you recommend we modify? Is it like three months? Is it six months? Can we be too reactive too quickly? We can definitely be too slow on reacting, but, and so I'm sorry, I threw that out there as I'm hearing myself ask the question, I'm like, oh yeah, that's a highly variable. <laughs> it is, but you know, I think that the more that we um, pay attention to those measurements, the faster we can see things falling off. Like um, some people will say, well, you have to advertise in this specific medium for so long before you'll see results. And that might be true, but we can still see what, what's happening coming out of that. We can still measure that, that response. And is it trending in the right way? Um, and then even if say, say it's something like um, an ad that you click through to a website and our landing page and you fill out a form. Um, if that's the if that's the tactic, and you're waiting for this this ad campaign to generate some some leads through this lead form, um, what's coming out? Do, how are you getting people to that? Are you building a community to support that online? Are you do you have the right tools once somebody fills out that form? And 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 how are we doing with, you know, maybe there's something else breaking down. So don't have everything in your system, all of your tactics, they shouldn't be wait and see. There should be some tactics in that, that, that um, process that you can measure quickly. So we, it's, it's the scientific process, right? We only change one thing at a time and make sure that the other things are, are um, we're doing a good job with the other things. Yeah. Well, I think it is, yeah, scientific process. I think that's, um, that's an important piece just to remind founders about because I think oftentimes they'll throw out the, the what is it throw out the baby with the dish soap like I say none of it's working right we're not getting the sales in it's gone yeah. we're going to do a new product or service so yeah. Yeah. again that patience which uh, and maybe I'm speaking for myself is you know it's not usually forefront for a lot of founders right patience and discipline to walk something through we're the butterfly chaser so I think that's a really important point to uh, to hammer home well and I think the, the question should be not is my tactic working? It's, is my strategy working? So am I, am I looking at all the things I'm doing and measuring along the way? And maybe one of those things is a wait and see kind of thing. Okay. But what about the other things? What am I doing to ask for the sale? What am I doing to look for new customers? And maybe there's something in the middle that we're waiting to see about, or we're waiting to nurture it. And for founders who are looking for that, that lever to pull, maybe there's one somewhere else that we haven't looked at. Maybe there's some measurements that we're not paying attention to that we need to start measuring that thing better. Um, maybe even we need to go back and look at our pricing. Are we pricing properly? And so that gives us something to, 
to gnaw on and to, to strategize about while we wait for this thing to, to okay. produce. Before we, before we go back to the, the start, right? Before we go back and reinvent a yeah. whole new product or service. And you're right. I think that has been, you know, what, I've, what I have witnessed a lot of business owners do through COVID is they start to get desperate. So they either hire new salespeople, they buy new inventory because one product isn't working and they go, okay, well, I'll do a new product yeah. um, or they launch a new product or service because they think, you know, this existing product or service isn't working. So that was my big takeaway from this is really just understanding it might not be the product or service. It might be your marketing approach and one specific tactic in that marketing yeah. mix that isn't working. Yeah. So I'm going to try this, Jill. I'm going to try to um, I'm going to try to summarize what I've taken away from this. There was so much value in it, but correct me if I'm wrong. High level. So here we are, business owner. First thing to really figure out is what product are we going to focus on based on the profitability, and is it going to get money in the door? What problem then is that product or service actually solving for? What person? right? And understanding that key audience. Once we understand the problem and the solution, we start to better understand the messages that we need to communicate. Then from part two, what I really took away is that the messages maybe at the beginning aren't all about the product or the service. Yeah, It's about understanding, getting the customer to understand that, are they even aware that they have a problem? right? Getting them to just sit with that for a bit. What is the consequence of not solving the problem and or cost? And what is the sense of urgency? And then that then informs how you're going to massage, massage these messages through this process to lead the customer in step by step by step, having an ask through each step, which will then get them to experience the product or service and then capturing that experience, not the features of the product, but the experience that they had as a result of using your product or service. And then um, understanding each one of those steps and making sure that it's measurable so that if at the end of the day, you're not getting the sales in, don't throw the product or service out, just understand where you've been stuck in that process where does you where does the block come because then you can potentially tweak it yeah yeah is that pretty good yeah yeah okay awesome and so jill just so i'm correct for this segment you have a tool for us called the lead lag measurement worksheet is that correct thank you so much for your generosity of all of these tools that is so appreciated because i know a lot of founders really don't quite know where to start. And so worksheets help them. Like they feel like they're doing something, right? And they're not looking at a blank canvas. So um, as always, I so appreciate you and all of your expertise. You were a wealth of information today. I kept you longer than promised, but thank you so much. Um, And founders, thank you for watching. And of course the team at Community Future Sunrise. I tell you, you ladies and men, are amazing out there. Thank you for all that you do to support business owners. You really have been our frontline responders to business owners in the province to help them uh, not only rebuild their business, but nailing their numbers through these crazy, crazy times. So thank you for all that you do, Community Future Sunrise. Founders, please download the tools. Thank you as always for watching and stay strong, stay fierce, and now 
go nail those numbers. All right, bye for now.